Great morning, everyone, and welcome to Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini, the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back with you here today. The purpose of Thank God for Monday is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope healing, peace in these unprecedented, uncertain, turbulent times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in this quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today to take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. And as such, we are very honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Devorah Zach. Devorah is Chief Executive Officer of Only Connect Consulting. She's a Washington Post bestselling author, a global keynote speaker with books in 45 languages, and she's also a former Thank God for Monday guest. Her latest great book, The Cactus and the Snowflake at Work, How the Logical and Sensitive Can Thrive Side by Side. Great morning and welcome back to Thank God for Monday, Deborah. Such a pleasure, Greg, to see you again. Ah, the honor is all ours, certainly. Share with us, please, from what city you're speaking from today. Washington, D.C., Wow, you've just made the audience and this host very, very jealous. What an awesome place to be, especially at this <laughs> time of the year. Sorry to say, Deborah, we've only got 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking with you about just this book, uh, your background, these great books you've written previously. But before we get into this great book that you've written, kindly share with the audience and me a little bit about yourself, please. So I'm an author of five books and, a, the, as you mentioned, the CEO of Only Connect Consulting. And I really focus my life on helping people understand themselves and each other better so that they can be have stronger relationships with their own internal selves and their external relationships. My background is I have an MBA from Cornell in organizational behavior, and I have a, a degree in psychology and communications from University of Pennsylvania. I'm also a certified practitioner in neurolinguistic programming and Myers-Briggs type indicator. We are so blessed to have someone of your role returning to thank God for Monday today. Again, many thanks for being with us. Now, in this great book of yours, you sort of use a phrase or a word temperament. And this might not be familiar to everyone. Can you share with us just a little bit about what you mean by this term, please? So a temperament is a personality style, and that's not to be confused with behavior. So you can behave in certain ways that support different personality styles that, that's different from your core inner preference. So your temperament is your inner core, what your natural predisposition is when you're engaging in relationships and communication and in the world in general. Now, this great book of yours is entitled, again, The Cactus and the Snowflake at Work. And we're very curious, as an experienced consultant and writer, 
Have you found that either temperament, either the snowflake or the cactus, is more prevalent than the other in the workplace, in the business world today? I'm so glad you asked that because there's a lot of pre- misconf- a lot of confusion about the what this means, these temperaments. So in a nutshell, the cactus s- style leads with his or her head and the snowflake leads with the heart. And the p- defining characteristic of the cactus is being logical, um, whereas with the snowflake, it's being sensitive. And they make decisions in very different ways. The cactus is focused more on um, analytics and the, the snowflake is more focused on empathy and diplomacy, whereas the cactus prides himself on being direct. So that's the foundation of this personality style. Um, a really important thing to establish up front is that there's really not just two styles, like a cactus or a snowflake, but there's a continuum. So people are somewhere along the middle of both of them. So with that in mind, um, we want to remember that, um, there's a lot of differences. However, there's a lot of things that are not linked to snowflake and cactus to, your, to the point of your question. This really ties into what you were asking, which is, is one more prevalent in the workplace? And the answer is no. And then the sort of the follow-up question to that for a lot of people is, is one more effective as a leader in the workplace? And the answer to that also is no, that really to make yourself effective, you want to understand and work with your natural predisposition and understand your true self instead of fighting against what you might consider a liability. Wow, that's fascinating, certainly. Now, it sounds like you just reviewed some of the traits that differentiate a snowflake and a cactus, if I perceive correctly. And assuming I did, are there any core traits that each of these or both of these would have, or are they really quite separate? Well, some of the core traits are that a cactus is tends to be focused on reason, whereas a snowflake focuses on feelings and uh, that there's some basic differences. And like I just mentioned, there's also some some aspects of personality that are not linked. That it's important to understand are not linked, for example, confidence or creativity or determination or IQ or emotional intelligence. All those are just as likely to be in one temperament as the other. It's really a difference of what one um, focuses on in terms of how they engage in the world. And we, a lot of times people like to say that we're all basically the same inside. And I think that is absolutely not true and actually can lead to a lot of misconceptions. We're fundamentally different from each other in how we engage in the world. And one of the ways that is the foundation of these differences is whether we are a cactus or snowflake and uh, to the foundation of this differentiation is from Carl Jung's personality typology, which is to many is considered the grandfather of personality styles. Um, and he, he would have, he, his way of describing it was thinkers and feelers for this book. I renamed thinkers to be cacti and feelers of snowflakes because I thought it was a lot more memorable and visceral and fun and easy to understand. So, um, but that's the foundation of the difference of these personality styles. This reminds me of back when I was in novitiate, because when I was in novitiate, we went for some special training. And some of the work we studied a bit was Jungian psychology. And it sounds like, if I understand right, this is the same individual, Carl Jung, who uh, really set the foundation for a lot of what you're speaking of today. It's, Am I correct in that regard? Absolutely. You got that exactly right. Okay. That is great. Certainly. Now, 
maybe this sounds silly, but I'd like to draw a differentiation or a clarification for myself and the audience. You, you mentioned something like confidence. So would confidence be something, especially in the workplace, is that something that comes out of our, our personality or is that something more that's, that's built up from our experience? Uh, one of the things I talk about with our students in school is the importance of confidence. Where does this come from, please, Deborah? Help, help me out. Oh, it's great that you asked that. So first of all, confidence is really misunderstood in a lot of situations. One is that certain personalities are or should be more confident than the other. So the first, the foundation of this discussion about confidence really is to understand that confidence isn't necessarily good or bad. It's knowing what your natural predisposition is and working with your natural temperament. And there's a fantastic quote by Confucius that I love about confidence, which is to know what you know and to know what you don't know. That is true knowledge. So, so often in the work, people say, oh, you need to act confident or be confident. Really, it's the true foundation of what means to be confident is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and, and working from there. Wow. This knowing what we don't know uh, almost sounds like it uh, would take some vulnerability, if you will, to say, gee, I don't know that. But in the workplace, especially if we don't know something, it should be okay to say, gee, I don't know. I'll either look it up for you or I'll get an expert or let's consult somebody else. Does that make sense? hundred percent. I completely agree with what you just described. It makes so much sense. Okay, good, good. Now this temperament, you talk about the cactus, the snowflake. How does someone, let's say myself or someone out in the audience listening this morning, how would they determine which they would fall under? Is there a way to do that? Yeah, so actually all of my books, and I know you're familiar with a lot of my books, um, have self-assessments in them, including this one. So this book, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, has a self-assessment that helps you determine whether you're a cactus or snowflake, and just as importantly, where you are in that continuum. So how strongly you affiliate with one aspect of this personality determination or the other. So the, I mean, I really, the, the, that's a great way to find out is through this personality assessment in the book. However, and a follow-up question often to that is how do you know what other people, where other people fall in the continuum and not everyone, I'm not going to assume everyone on the planet has read the book or knows the book. So what do you do if you're working with someone who hasn't read the book and hasn't taken the continuum? So I call this in my, um, in one of the chapters here is I call it the big two. So one, the first one of the big two is to, uh, is to really observe, observe other people's temperaments, observe other people's cues and clues that we're constantly bombarded with about what they prefer, including language they use. For example, cacti tend to use the word think more often, whereas snowflake tends to use the word feel more often. So being tuned in to cues that people send out about what their personality style is. That's the first one of the big two. The second one of the big two is de deceptively simple and often overlooked, which is to ask is to ask people, what, do you, what matters to you? What's important to you? What drives you? What motivates you? What helps you build rapport? And by, the answers to these questions will help you determine whether someone's a cactus or snowflake without them needing to take a self-assessment. Oh, that's fascinating. Now, one of the things that I've seen, I can't remember if it was in the book or maybe on your website or both, is this, am I saying it right? Cack flake self-assessment? 
Yes. Boy, that is brilliant, Shirley. Thank you. <laughs> you described the five results. Maybe we can peel the onion a bit. If you could briefly go through these five results and, and what they would indicate, please. So thank you for remembering the name of this instrument. And so I, like, to your point, I call it the CAC, CAC flake instrument. And uh, there's really, it, really the point of the CAC flake instrument is to figure out where you are on the continuum of the cactus and snowflake. And uh, there's, to your point, I break it down into five results, including the determination of where you are in, in terms of what your preference is. So this is an amazing name. I don't know how you came up with this. I don't either. <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> so one of them is a strong preference for a snowflake. The next one is a moderate preference for a snowflake. The next one is a soft, slight preference for a snowflake or cactus. And then the last one is a moderate preference for cactus. So, and then, or no, the last one's a strong preference for cactus. So basically there's, it's, it's, it, with the, the point of the cact flake instrument has, is, twofold. One is to determine whether you tend to be more of a cactus or a snowflake in terms of your temperament. The other is how strongly you affiliate with one or the other. And the point of the way I break it down in the book, which people can you know read in more detail than what we have time to do on this interview, is to determine what the affiliation is with each of these two styles. And then after that, if you might recall, after the, the breakdowns of these five different most uh, determinants of where you are in the cactus snowflake continuum is the way people respond to the results that they get. So people who have a very strong affiliation with one or the other are going to read about the style that's a strong uh, temperament uh, preference. And, and if you have a strong temperament preference, then you're going to say, wow, this describes me perfectly. It's unbelievable. However, if you have a slighter preference, you might say, well, it kind of describes me. It kind of doesn't. And that doesn't have to do with right or wrong in terms of the instrument or your pref your how you responded to it. It just has to do with how close you are to the middle in terms of preference. A lot of times people who are close to the middle in terms of preference will initially think, something's wrong with them or they did something wrong and taking the instrument. And that's not true at all. It's, there's absolutely nothing better or worse about having a stronger preference or a slighter preference in either end of this continuum. How important is that for people to understand when they're taking self-assessment in particular, this Flake instrument. Instrument. Thank you. To, to understand, you know, there is no right or wrong. There is no good or bad there. Is that important for people to understand? It's, it's super important for people to understand that. It's also really important for people to understand when they're filling out the assessment that they should go with what their natural predisposition is, not what they think is better or worse or what they think is right or wrong or what they think is uh, the, the best way to be a leader uh, the, the really, the, you're, you're going to get the most accurate results from the instrument if you fill it out according to your natural innate preference, not what you think is better or worse. Wow, that's great, great advice. Uh, no doubt about that. Listeners, for anyone who's just tuned in, welcome to Thank God for Monday. We're the weekly talk show about the workplace here on WSOU 89.5 FM, streamed uh, locally here on 89.5 FM and streamed around the world, www.wsou.net. 
I'm Brother Greg from the class of 85 here at Seton Hall and the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn. Uh, much more important than me today, we've got a very, very special guest. Her name is Devorah Zach. She's the chief executive officer of Only Connect Consulting. She's a Washington Post bestselling author. She is a global keynote speaker with books, yes, in 45 languages. And she's a former, thank God, for Monday guest four or five years ago was with us. So we welcome her back. And we've been talking about this great book she's written, the latest, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, How the Logical and Sensitive Can Thrive Side by Side. We've been talking about the snowflake. We've been talking about the cactus. She has a great instrument that she has created, the Cactflake instrument. And this really, Devor again, reminds me of Novitiate because I was there with my director at that time, but I was living with several other brothers, at least three or four. And it was suggested to us that once we took our personality type test, the Myers-Briggs, we go home and we have everybody take it and then share about it. And I have to say, I can understand the brothers kind of didn't, didn't respond so well to that. But I, I can't help but believe here if you're in a department or you know group of people to take this instrument and then share the results, uh, I, I don't know if that's something you would suggest here, but it seems uh, maybe a good idea to me. I don't know if something you might recommend. I love that example. <laughs> I can picture the whole situation so well. So first of all, there is resistance to taking personality assessments and in some cases for good reason. Uh, it's very important to understand that administering self-assessments of any kind is not useful if you're doing it to determine other people's success levels or whether they're able to be leaders or whether you're assessing if they are going to rise up in the organization. Those are all misnomers. So you want to be careful about not administering assessments to judge or determine other people. Really um, what a personality assessment and a temperament does when it's well created and well administered is that it, it helps us understand differences and preferences, however, not abilities. And that's a really key distinction. It also does not determine what our, um, our behaviors can be. We can, we can do what I call flexing your style if you're very, um, self-aware and, and flexible in how you communicate with others. You can engage in all kinds of behaviors that aren't your natural temperament. They're still authentic, but they're just more um, tied into what's important to you as opposed to what your natural um, preferences are. So I, I, I wish I had been there when you all were put into the room together to live together and I could have administered the self-assessment and help people understand each other better without being judgmental. We really could have used a great facilitator like you. <laughs> that would have been great. Like you know, <laughs> I'm hesitant to ask this question, but at the same time, I feel compelled. In your research, has there been any correlation found between gender and temperament? For example, is a man more likely to be a cactus and a woman more like a snowflake or not so? Oh, no, I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, because, you know, it is a sensitive topic, especially these days around gender and preferences sure. and all that. Um, however, uh, one thing to be aware of is that some people are more 
predisposed to be one or the other. And it's sometimes linked to, to gender and sometimes it isn't. So it, the most recent data on this is that um, for men, are uh, 68% are more likely to type type out, to use my nerdy uh, lingo as a, as a personality cell junkie, uh, are more likely to type out to be uh, cacti, 68%. And 32% of men are more likely to be typed out as as snowflakes, whereas with women, 38% are more likely to be typed out as snowflakes and 62% are typed out to be cacti. So what we learned from this is that there's a, there's a very uh, easy to fall into judgment to say women are snowflakes and men are cacti. So that's definitely not true. However, there is a tendency for women to be more primarily primarily snowflakes and men to be primarily cacti. And the reason why I emphasize the word primarily is because we also want to be aware that um, th this whole thing that I keep bringing up, which because it's so important, is that strength of preference. So a woman may type out to be a snowflake, but her strength of preference may be that she also has a fair amount of cacti in her and vice versa for men. So we there is, tends to be a stereotype that women are snowflakes and men are cacti. So we want to dispel that stereotype at the same time saying part of the reason for that stereotype is that it tend is the tendency for men and women to fall into one or the other category. That's really helpful. Thank you. Now, one of the reasons that I really like this book, certainly, is you dismiss this notion or idea of the golden rule, <laughs> treating others the way you want to be treated. You introduce a platinum rule. Can you describe what this new rule is and how it relates, please, to the snowflake and the cactus dynamic? I love that you asked that. I, I got to confess to you that um, I was telling a colleague that I was going to be meeting with you later today and, uh, and that you were a father. And, and, and he said, hopefully he won't ask you about the golden rule. <laughs> so, um, that's the backstory <laughs> so the golden rule which is of course well versed in many many different cultures and religions is that we should treat others how we want to be treated um in my experience that backfires about half the time because people have completely different preferences in terms of how they want to be treated and different definitions of respect even. So in this platinum rule that I talk about in this book is that should treat others how they want to be treated, which is first of all, a lot more effort because we have to then determine like the big two, how people want to be treated. And also to be flexible. I talked about flexing our style to meet other people where they're at and to be able to treat them how they want to be treated. However, it's very, very beneficial to, to take on this, this uh, notion and to practice treating others how they want to be treated because we, um, we think everyone's like us and that nothing could be further from the truth. People are very different from each other. So I'll give one concrete example. So let's say that you're in a workplace and one of your colleagues uh, who you know professionally, but not as a close personal friend, um, goes on personal leave for, for a few months and then returns uh, without any discussion. And let's say you're a snowflake. So if you treat this person how you would want to be treated as a snowflake, you might say, oh my gosh, we're so glad to see you. We are so worried about you. Welcome back. Is there anything I can do? Uh, and what happened? What how is everything okay? And to a snowflake, that would be treating them how you might want to be treated. And uh, it would abs and you'd be how you would show respect, which would absolutely backfire if you're talking to a cactus. Wow. So really the way to treat a cactus if in that same situation, they reappear unceremoniously in the staff meeting, 
you have no idea what happened is to say, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Maybe even not the how's it going. Maybe just the hey. <laughs> that is brilliant, certainly. Treat others as they want to be treated, not as you may want to be treated, because that notion of we are all different. Oh, that is so empowering, no doubt about it. Now, one of the other great ideas you introduce is the idea of the non-event or capital N, capital E. Describe for the listeners briefly please, what this is and maybe give an example of a circumstance that might fall under this category, please. Uh, so in my, in my research about this aspect of personality, I, it, it, it became more and more clear that uh, it's not so much about whether someone's more sensitive or um, whether someone is more tuned in to what's happening. Really what it's about is that we have fundamentally different experiences of reality. So you, let's say you and I are, are colleagues and we walk and, and let's say I'm a cactus and you're a snowflake and we walk out of a meeting and I, and i just want to like kind of play the devil's advocate and like create, you know, have a conversation with you about what I thought went wrong in that meeting. And at the end of the, our conversation, we both walk away and I, and you might think, wow, Devor and I just had a major falling out. Like, I cannot believe she said that, like, that was terrible. And, and, uh, I don't think we can understand each other or work together anymore. And so you think maybe we should, I should call a meeting with Devorah to like clarify what just oh, happened. Wow. And for me, if I'm a cactus, I'm like, literally nothing happened. Like, there, no event even occurred. Like we had a conversation, we moved on. Like if you said to me, Devorah, what do you think about what happened yesterday? I would say, what? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that literally, it's not so much that we interpret things differently. It goes even deeper than that. It's that we experience things differently. And I really didn't even have an experience of something happening. And in the book, obviously, I use this metaphor throughout of a cactus and snowflake um, to be personality styles, but also a real live cactus and snowflake. So one example I use of the non-event in the book is if there's a snowstorm and the, the snowflake is like flown all over the the landscape and is like flying around and bashing into buildings. Oh. And the cactus is just sitting there because a cactus has a different foundation than a snowflake. So this big windstorm for a snowflake is a non-event for a cactus. So that's <laughs> the metaphor I use for a non-event. Oh, that's brilliant, certainly. Now, sadly to say, Deborah, time is running short, but we still have a couple of important questions I uh, wanna ask if that's okay, please. Now, if I perceive correctly, you're a self-proclaimed snowflake, but do you find yourself gravitating to other snowflakes or does it tend to be a pretty even split? Great question. I, I, I think that when we have positive relationships with any personality style, it's, it's a good thing. And um, I, 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 I get along with certain snowflake propensities. However, two things about what I like about hanging out with cacti. One is that we get a kick out of each other. Like once you can have, find the humor in it and instead of feeling like angry or defensive or, um, or not understanding, once you can just kind of say, I accept you for who you are and I'm going to replace judgment with, with compassion, then, uh, um, then I can love being around cacti because they're good at what I'm not good at. Like if we're on a work team or, or even a family together and, and they are really great at diffusing tension, whereas I would wallow in it for two days. Like then we become each other's best allies. So I love having cacti around 
And uh, I especially love when we can laugh at each other. I think that makes a huge difference. Oh, no doubt about it. It really lightens up the workplace. And as you say, we need some of both. No doubt about that to make a great team. And this question, again, I don't really want to ask, but it's, it's something I really would like to know. And I think our audience would as well. I think you started talking about this a little bit, but let's peel the onion. The leadership styles of snowflakes and cacti, are they different one and is one more effective than the other? So, no, I'm glad you asked. So they're definitely very different. So um, a leader who has a cactus propensity is focused on what's factual. They're very consistent, pragmatic. They tend to be impartial. Um, so those are all some highlights of a cactus leader. Some challenges for a cactus leader is that they're not, they don't naturally, they are not naturally predisposed to giving a lot of praise. They struggle with emotions. They, um, they, they will have issues with tone. Like they may use a negative tone without even being aware of it. Um, and then on the other hand, the snowflake tends to be more appreciative. It's very focused on recognition and harmony. They, um, if anything, <laughs> challenges, they might overpraise. Um, be, or feel overly guilty about things. So very wow. high emotions. Um, they can also be tuned in to um, emotions on the upside and then on the downside, they can take overread into things and take things personally. So it's not that one is better or worse. It's that they just have different strengths. And what I recommend to leaders of any personality style is to surround themselves with people different from them. So if, for example, you're a cactus leader and you're not very good at creating rapport on your team. If you're aware, you're like, look, I'm not that good at building rapport on my team. Um, so I'm going to ask someone on my team to take the lead on um, doing some team building activities, for example. Then, uh, so it's again, that self-awareness, that humility to be able to say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not so gifted at. And therefore I'm going to find someone else who can excel in the areas that I'm more challenged in. And that's also really great for team building too. And no doubt about that. Deborah, we've saved the most important question for last. Where can our loyal listeners find you and take a look at this great book, The Cactus and the Snowflake at Work? So you can find me at my um, company website, myonlyconnect.com, which is also accessed by cactussnowflake.com. You can find the book anywhere books are sold online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any, any retailers, and also any bookstores, and uh, Hudson News, uh, any 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 place you can find a book, you can find these books and uh, enjoy. Uh, terrific. Listeners, no excuse. Please, we got one week to Christmas. Pick up the cactus and snowflake at work. How the logical and sensitive can thrive side by side. I'm biased. I know. I think this makes a great stocking stuffer. Oh, my gosh. It is a great holiday book for sure. People have already told me they've been getting it for people and it changes the way they have their Christmas dinners and holiday dinners. So Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, one for everyone. <laughs> your table, your workplace, everywhere, uh, your uh, place of work. Yeah, to, your, to your point, there's a whole chapter in the book about um, home life, which uh, is great for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, especially today when we can be a bit divided, even at the Christmas table, certainly, or uh, whatever family event we're having. So also, listeners, I want to mention that uh, once you're done uh, getting this book, don't, re don't forget to follow us. We're on the Tweet Tweet, uh, Facebook, Snappy Chat. Uh, we're now on TikTok as well. Suggestions, thoughts, you know, 2022 is right around the corner. So any guest suggestions you have for us as well would be very much appreciated. 
Dvorak, author of several books, and this great book, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today, coming back to thank God for Monday. Yes, you've enlightened us, but much more, you've inspired us really to think about concepts like this, the cactus and snowflake at work, how we can thrive side by side, even if we're different, even if our personalities, our temperaments, et cetera, are indeed different. We wish you great joy as you close out 2021 and continued great success as you move into 2022. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, just a bit of a programming note. Next Saturday is the 25th of December. Naturally, is Christmas. We will not be on the air, but we'll be back January 1st for a very, very special opening episode of Thank God for Monday for 2022. So until then, I wish everyone a very blessed Christmas and a rest of the great holiday season. And we'll look forward to seeing you all in 2022. Until then, this is Greg saying we're out of time. Once again, my hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Devorah's act does, you'll say, thank God for Monday.